Uh, Bryce, thanks for joining us in the Regional Football Hub. We certainly appreciate you taking some time to, to talk to us uh, in your role at John Moriarty Football. Uh, we certainly hope uh, things are going okay for you as we ramp up uh, football resumption and hope that uh, you've been okay during this period of COVID-19. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's moving along slightly, which is better than nothing. So, yeah, it's good. Brilliant. Well, we have a few quick intro questions before we get into it. If you could be a professional in any other sport, what would it be? Uh, it'd probably be golf. Yeah, that seems pretty crazy. I know why everyone keeps saying golf because it ain't a sport. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocking at it. I'm absolutely terrible at it, but, uh, you know, it's pretty nice being in the sun. So. <laughs> Magic. Uh, yeah, if you had an Sorry, Liam. Being the same, most of the time. In the sand. Does it remind you of your childhood being in the sand pit? Yeah, yeah, that's where I was born. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you had an autobiography, what would it be called? Um, ah, went real deep, real quick. Uh, probably just uh, I, brought, I thought post to post would be a pretty catchy little yeah, like it. title. Yeah, like it. <laughs> One to four of those special goalkeepers out there. <laughs> definitely, definitely special. <laughs> Love it. Um, everyone has a go-to joke, Bryce. Do you have one, mate? Yeah. Um, what's a pirate's favourite letter? R. <laughs> You'd think it'd be R, but it'd be the C. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. That's, a, that's the best one we've had so far. That's top of the <laughs> uh, How do you cope being in big moments? Do you get nervous? If there was a penalty to win the World Cup, would you take it? Um, no, nah, I think nerves, I got rid of nerves out of playing and, and life a long time ago. Just main thing I look at it is you just can't let the uh, moment be more important than yourself. So, um, yeah, anytime we went into PKs or, you know, big moments, talking in front of a large group of people or something like that, it's just, yeah, I've just got to be happy with myself and go with it from there, you know. Bloody good answer. Uh, if you had a dollar for every coffee football meeting you've had, how rich would you be? I'd be running one. I'd be <laughs> running a coffee shop. You'd probably be my main source of income, Andrew, actually. Yeah. I don't know why people keep saying that. <laughs> Can't tell either. Oh. Um, being involved in football for a fair while, has it um, taught you any everyday life qualities, do you think? Um, I think the biggest one that, you know, pops up every day uh, um, is definitely patience. Patience with other people, patience with yourself. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's super big, you know, key value that I've got uh, in my head all the time. And um, apart from that, probably time management. I've, I've always struggled with time management. Um, and then going into university, I struggled even more. <laughs> So, so once once we start getting to coaching and all that sort of stuff, it's really important to make sure I've I've got a, a timetable for the day and make sure I'm ticking off things as I go through. Yeah. Who's your favourite team in world football? Uh, Tottenham Hotspur. No, I don't know that. You wouldn't have come on. Come on. I've got to hang up the flag behind me here. Oh, lucky you didn't. You would have been blacked out. Wow. <laughs> 
All right. On a better note, hopefully, uh, who was the first club that you played for and how did you end up becoming a goalkeeper? Did someone throw you in there? Were you just crazy and wanted to jump around? What's the story? Um, I pl- my first club was Eglinton Football Club back in Bathurst. And um, I just moved over from playing rugby league and I had braces. Mum and dad wouldn't let me play rugby league anymore. So I was pretty much the only kid who could kick a ball out of his hands. And I was a bit rounder, so they just tucked me in and the rest is history. <laughs> you class yourself as a striker like every goalkeeper, mate, or? Oh, without doubt, yeah. You gotta know it. You gotta know how it's uh, how it goes in, so you gotta use it. <laughs> uh, obviously something I'm quite passionate in, in goalkeeping. Um, so I was wondering from your time being involved in playing and coming through to sort of now being a bit of a head coach as a goalkeeper, um, how have you seen the role change? And is it more than just sort of catching the ball and kicking it? Um, yeah, so I think I've dealt with a fair few goalkeeper coaches and, and they've all got their, you know, everyone's got a certain way they'd like to coach. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's about the players and who you're coaching, the individuals. So um, I think the biggest thing when, when I'm running sessions is just building up resilience and making sure, you know, there's no head dropping. Like at the start of the game, a goalkeeper's got to be, you know, up top of the pedestal because there's no room to warm up into it. You just got to be straight into it. So, walking into game day confident, happy, knowing what you're doing. Um, and if something goes wrong, you just forget about it and move on. Don't you just blame the defenders. I blame everyone else. Yeah, I blame, blame the old girl walking across the street if I could. But <laughs> <laughs> if you look at sort of back in the day, it's all about shot stopping. Do you think goalkeepers have got to be one of the better players with their feet now as well? Definitely, definitely. Um, just the way the game speeds just changed over, you know, the years. Everyone can see that, and adding that eleventh player is crucial. You know, keeping the ball, switching play, and um, yeah, if, if you're passing back to an umpty like myself, you want to make sure you've got a little bit of confidence in them and make sure that they can keep the ball rolling. Yeah, I agree. Well, you're back playing now with Western New South Wales. Um, how are you finding the current COVID-19 impacted season? Uh, it's painful. Um, one of the, my favourite sayings is uh, absence makes the heart fonder. So I'm definitely missing being out there, but, you know, it's necessary. We've been able to do one-on-one trainings and stuff like that. But, yeah, it's it's uh, been slow but necessary and enables me to just work on my hands a little bit in the backyard with my rebounder. So just get right back into the basics and get them all ticked off and get ready for when we're back out on the pitch and full team training a little bit now, but yeah. Liam got pretty excited when you mentioned there's a rebounder that you're bouncing the ball off there. <laughs> yeah, great, yeah. yeah I think it should be about eight years old almost. Yeah, she's, she's a cracker. But it still lasts, mate. That's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Um, look, you spent some time in the US in the college system. How did, and there's probably a few questions here. How, how did it come about um, being able to go over to US for college? What did you study and what's your experience has been like in a, in a football sense from a, from a player's perspective? And, and I guess, is, um, it, is it like uh, the movies in America with uh, the party life? I mean, how did, you, how did you balance that with football studying and, you know, not getting in too much trouble with parties? Yeah, so it's uh, we we had a agency run through Bathurst 
um, that I didn't even know they were shooting through. And mum and dad sort of forced me to go. I was a bit, you know, a bit against it, but I went in and didn't think much of it, but uh, had a fair bit of interest generated from there. And um, yeah, just, just started, you know, making a video portfolio, sending it off and had different offers coming in. Um, and then, yeah, just thought, yeah, why not? Like I've, I, I'd always thought about going over to America, like when I was really young, because you do see it in the, in the movies and that. And um, yeah, when I got the opportunity, you, when opportunities rise, you just don't say no, you just got to take it. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was pretty uh, packed schedule really. So a lot of, yeah, there are parties and stuff like that. Depends on what uh, colleges you go to. I was at a Baptist college for most of the time. So I was pretty, uh, you know, driven to, to not do that. Um, but, you know, if, if you're really passionate about your sport, you, your day is full of it. So you're training in the morning, classes in between, training in the afternoon. And, you know, you've got two, sometimes three games a week. So if you're passionate about it, you'll love it. And uh, you don't need all the other stuff that goes on. So. And what was the, what was the football experience like? Ah, uh, yeah, crazy. Um, it was just a mixture of of uh, you know razzle dazzle from South America. You've got your physicality from UK and Australia, and um, and then just sheer athleticism from you know a lot of the US players. You know, you've got track star, hundred meter track stars playing at seven and eleven, just running up and down all day, and you know. It's, you've got different coaches from around the world in the same conference, so you're seeing different playing styles. So it did, you know, broaden my knowledge a little bit. Um, you know, sometimes it surpassed it, so, but you learnt from it. Um, and yeah, no, it was really full on and just experiencing so many different types of footballers and different playing styles in, you know, just a week. That's it's pretty overwhelming, but yeah, it was really enjoyable. How much emphasis did they have on uh, fitness aspects as compared to what you found in Australia, for example? Massive, yeah, it's, it's huge on it. Um, when I first went over there, the biggest thing I noticed was long balls and counter attacks. It was my, the main source of goals. So, you know, pre-season, humidity-wise, I think the lowest bit of humidity I saw the whole time I was over there was about 80%. So I was struggling most of the time in the heat and the thickness of it. but um, yeah, pre-seasons, a lot of running. You know, we've, you've got gym sessions in between trainings. Uh, Off-season, off you're just basically just building up mass to strengthen yourself and then cut it back down before the season starts. So it was, uh, yeah, massive change. Goalkeepers getting an exemption or you're out doing the 4K runs as well? <laughs> no, 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 one, no one gets off. That was the worst part. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, we uh, – goalkeepers – you know, join in on most of it. Most of the goalkeepers you find were some of the fittest on the team, which is, you know, a bit of a, you know, sometimes. But uh, it, was, um, it was, yeah, a lot of fun and a lot of pain, but definitely worth it and did make me a far better player than I thought I could be. Um, yeah. How much uh, isolated goalkeeping training would they have done? Would that be in addition to sessions with the team or would it be at the same same sort of time? Yeah, <coughs> We'd, we'd rock up about an hour before everyone else and that's when we'll have a really intensive GK sesh. Um, you know, we'll probably spill into, you know, anywhere between an hour and an hour and a half of different scenarios, different sort of training, whether it's working on distribution, crosses, 
shot stop and all that and uh, then plug in halfway through the team session for small fighter games and attacking scenarios and that. I know a few people we've spoken to that have gone over there have spoken a lot about also video analysis. Is that something that was a, a key over there as well when you were there? Yeah, so um, especially, you know, day, days after a game, we, we didn't want to hit the park too much because you usually got to get a game two days after that. So at least get a little bit of rest in between. So we'd, uh, yeah, go into a AV room and watch how our game went, you know, point out what we've been working on training, whether it worked or not, and what we should be focusing on the next training session, as well as looking at um, key players and playing styles of the opponent for the next game. So, yeah, uh, yeah they were really good. Obviously, played at a decent level and then moved into coaching. Is there anything you, um, the key areas you think you've learned as a coach or perspective as a coach? Um, Going into coaching, I, I think it sort of opened my eyes a bit. I was a, I was a very critical player, um, very grumpy at myself most of the time. But uh, yeah, everyone else. But um, moving into you know a coaching role, you really understand that it it is more about the team. Everyone's got to work, be working together, firing together, and um, that really sort of helped me calm myself and look at the broader picture and ensure that the bloke next to me is doing a good job and is in a good mental state um, as well as myself sort of thing so yeah. How'd you go with uh, player management as well did you find that something that was difficult as a coach? Um, I think it, depending on the environment you're in you know you, you've got if you're in a team that you know everyone's focusing on winning as a team then player management isn't an issue um, you just put in who's been performing well you know, if he needs a break, pop him out and they'll understand that. Um, but, you know, coaching at other different levels, going up through youth, of course, player rotation and everything like that, it's, it's more about the development rather than winning. So big, big fan of rotating everyone through, no matter, you know, how good you are. Everyone needs to have a go. And that's why we all love it, because everyone can have a crack. So. That's awesome. Totally agree. Well, now you're working with John Wrighty Football. Can you tell us what that program's about and where the hubs are? Yeah, so uh, John Moriarty is um, a program that we've uh, originally started up in uh, Boralila, up in Northern Territory, back in 2012. Um, we've then uh, extended hubs in Dubbo, which started oh, around this time last year. Um, we're also in Coranda in uh, the Northern Territory, up near Cairns as well as Tennant Creek. So we've got four hubs at the moment. And pretty much what we're trying to do is just unlock, um, it will help the community unlock its indigenous children's potential in life. Not, you know, it doesn't have to be through football, but as well as, um, you know, a holistic approach to health and wellbeing. Um, so, you know, we, we'd love that we can message the fact that, you know, you've got to eat right, drink plenty of water, look after yourself physically and mentally. Um, and we get to push that through a gate of football, which is pretty unreal. And the kids get around it. You know, you've got kids who um, really like rugby league out out here and up in Northern Territory. They're all about AFL and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a sport that, you know, you don't have to be super great at it just to join in on the group and socialise and, and uh, have a hot meal together at the end, which is 
which is probably the best part, honestly. Yeah, great. So like a really, really great program. What, what would you describe your individual role um, as? Uh, so I'm the head coach and mentor um, of Dubbo Hub. Uh, so working alongside, we've employed four local community coaches. Um, and so obviously helping develop their skills in delivering football to the kids, um, as well as helping out with uh, our scholarship holders that we have in the community, um, mentoring them and helping them get the training and make sure they're staying focused, doing the right thing, and which they always are. And there's plenty. They're absolutely great kids. So um, yeah, that's my job. I just get to watch everyone around me enjoy what they do and join in on the fun at the same time. Excellent. Awesome. So you mentioned this time last year, um, the new hub in Dubbo. What are the next big goals for the program? Uh, so in Dubbo at the moment, we're starting to branch out into some satellite communities. So obviously main hub we've been working in in Dubbo. We've been going to Dubbo-based schools, working, you know, afternoon trainings in Dubbo. Um, we're looking to branch out to Narromine, Peak Hill and Warren, um, and then eventually get some holiday clinics going out to um, Burke and Walgett. Awesome. Yeah. Thank what you. have been some success stories of the program so far? Um, I think uh, overall program, if, if we're looking at success, it's Shay Evans. She's absolute superstar. Um, she's, uh, she's definitely a great role model for the kids moving from, you know, a very um, isolated uh, community up in the Northern Territory down to Sydney, playing at, you know, a really good school and finding a Sydney FC contract and representing the young Matildas. Doesn't get much more successful than that. So, um, but locally, we've got a couple of boys who are, um, have just joined the Western New South Wales team. Um, the one in U12 and the other one in U15. So, um, again, huge step for them and obviously continuing, uh, giving the opportunity to other kids in the community, um, working with them to get them on the same path and hopefully in a green and gold shirt soon. Uh, how many players would you have involved at the hub in Dubbo um, across the different touch points that you currently have? Uh, in the so overall, we, we see about, um, so including school deliveries, we see a little over 600 kids a week. Once we get back into satellites, it'll be over 1,200 kids a week. Um, we offer a select, uh, like, more inclusive group training, um, which is uh, growing about 20 kids of an afternoon, all Indigenous, um, all different backgrounds at home and different playing abilities. Um, and then from, from those kids, that's when we find um, that extra pathway for the, the two boys. And we've got a couple of other um, girls coming through that we're looking to do the same for. So. Awesome. So you spoke about the success of Shay. Um, obviously, do you use her as a role model for the program as well? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Shay came out on the launch day in Dubbo. So for the kids just to you know, meet someone who's come through the program and see what she's doing at the moment. That's from the get go. That's a, that's a really good, um, 
you know, spotlight for for the program. Um, but, you know, we catch up with Shay weekly with our scholarship holders. So not only, are, you know, the boys from Dubbo, but we've got um, a couple of kids from Karanda um, and then four girls who are in Sydney on scholarships at uh, Westfield Sports, um, Skeggs, Darlinghurst and St. Catharines. Um, so they're all there doing school as well as playing football. Um, and every Saturday we have a weekly catch up. So everyone has a laugh and been letting them know what we've been doing. And yeah, so Shay joins in on that all the time, which is, you know, taking the time out of her busy schedule already. Just, and yeah, she's been brilliant. So obviously, like Shay's at the top level of success and, you know, it's all about the program, getting people out, just enjoying the game. But is it a bit of a, a sort of feel good moment for you guys to, you know, say that the program's led to someone being able to, sort of live their dream and be able to play at that level? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's not only just the fact that, you know, she's, she's playing really good sport because she's just been an amazing athlete since the, you know, day dot. So uh, it's also, you know, she's just graduated from high school. She's now in university studying a degree. Um, and, you know, when, when she first joined the program, her, um, you know, she wasn't that great in school, like, as far as learning ability and stuff like that. So just seeing a change from that um, in a fairly short period of time, it's it's just another opportunity, again, not only through football, but providing other, um, you know, experiences and education, which you might not find growing up in remote communities. Yep. Great. So you mentioned uh, mentoring being an important part of your program. Um, who, who are some people that you have maybe had in the past that you've used as, as mentors to help to help you be able to be mentors for other people? And how important do you see mentoring for players and particularly for coaches as well? Um, I think growing up, obviously, everyone, you know, well, mostly everyone can have their mentors in home. So... Um, my dad was quite a talented cricketer back in the day. Um, so just him giving a little bit of experience of, you know, what, what sort of sacrifices some might need to make to, you know, get good at what they want to do if they want to achieve a dream. Um, but then also meeting, uh, you know, likes of Jim Fraser, who's, again, just complete different level, unreal guy, very professional and really opened my eyes up to, you know, the sort of people that you'll meet. Um, but I think it's having a mentor is is really important to you know if if you are serious about wanting to you know follow a dream in, in you know any aspect of life if there's someone there who can help you um, who already understands what it's like um, can really open your eyes and you know not so open your eyes but broaden broaden the horizon in a way because they've they've been there they know what it takes. Um, they've made the mistakes and learnt from them that you might be walking into. So I think that's the biggest one for me growing up was uh, my dad saying, don't do that, otherwise you'll be out here working in a mill. So um, I think, yeah, just, and again, it's it's nice to have uh, a supportive figure who's not directly in your life every day. It's it's not you come home after school or, or work and, you know, you've got the same people in the house. It's It's another... Uh, added perspective that could help you. How much did uh, Jim Fraser pay you to say that, mate? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'd, I'd do it for free for him, mate, if you're watching, Jim. Uh, done a bit of work with Jim, obviously. Looking yeah. As well, top fella. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant guy. What would be your key advice for young regional players looking to go to that next level? Um, I'd, I'd say don't, don't limit yourself um, or limit your dreams to your postcode or your state or anything. You know, I would never have thought I'd be moving overseas to play sport. Um, but, you know, when, when an opportunity comes, don't be afraid to go try. What's the worst thing you're going to do is walk away from it and continue working hard anyway. So um, really just open your mind and be, you know, be more than welcoming to opportunities that might see you move off away from family and, and, um, and friends. Um, but yeah, just just because you live, you know, not in a city or not where there's any big football teams doesn't mean you're not going to play for one or move to one. So perfect. And what does the future hold for Bryce Deaton? Um, football, <laughs> football, football. So you know, um, this season, sort of comeback season for me as a player, because. Uh, two years since my second ACL Rico, so I'm sort of starting to feel a bit younger physically again, um, which just means I get to experience more football and plug it into my coaching as well. Um, but that was, that was a goal of mine when I went into university and studying a, a bachelor degree in kinesiology, sports and events management, um, just so I could, you know, find myself in and around football to some capacity, you know, be a kit man for someone or something like that. So just as long as it's around me, I'll be pretty chuffed. I'll be very blessed. So with coaching going forward, um, do you see yourself team coaching, goalkeeper, Pacific coaching, or, or a mix of or both of those? Um, I'm just all about player development. I've, you know, obviously my passion is goalkeeping. I feel I've, I've got a lot more to offer in uh, goalkeeping or striking, you know. That goes hand in hand. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I do prefer goalkeeper coaching, but in a team, it's, it's too, too different, isn't it? So I, I do enjoy um, working with a team and sitting down with everyone, making sure everyone's working together and creating a bit good family environment. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. So I know Liam's big, Liam's big on this because um, he's half done it a few times. But what's your thoughts around the, the goalkeeper coach that's, say, having control of the back four, back five with the goalkeeper in, in session so that it's not uh, isolated keepers working individually and then, bang, it's, you know, game training time and the keeper's in. What's your, what's your thoughts around that? Um, I, I think I've been working with that for a while so obviously um your back unit your defensive third needs to be in sync everyone needs to know what's going on so um they can go away and do their ball skills and keepers can do the shot stopping but at the end of the day if we're if we're going to be playing football together we need to understand that i'm going to be moving the ball this way you need to do it with me or communication is crucial as well so spending more time together just increase the chemistry and you sort of get to a point where everyone's mind reading each other and when you get to there, then it's pretty smooth sailing. So, yeah, they need to spend at least, you know, 
half to a third of, of training together in a scenario. Sounds like Lane slipped you an envelope before we started. <laughs> no, I agree, mate. I think obviously um, we need more quality goalkeeper coaches out there. We look back in the day, goalkeepers didn't really have a specific coach. So I'd say if you're on the edge, mate, stick with the goalkeeper coach. We need more. Yeah, no, sounds good. Well, our final question, in which we ask everyone, and we get mixed um, answers some of the time and get told that we shouldn't be asking this question as well. But Messi versus Ronaldo, which side are you on? Um, yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's a pretty silly question. We're very lucky to have both, and they're both very different. But, you know, I'm always, I've always been a Ronaldo fan, so... Yeah, just to keep you happy. Oh, I don't know about how you come on and said you like Tottenham and you come on and you said Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah, goal, I'm a goalkeeper, mate. I'm against the grain. It's all right. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Well, Bryce, obviously, thanks for taking time out of your day to join us. And um, it's great to see the success from where the program's come when you first launched it. And I'm sure if you need any help with anything, um, I'm happy to put my hand in and help out with the program. And um, wish you all the best for what the future holds for yourself and for the John Moriarty Foundation. And again, thank you for joining us today on the Regional Football Hub, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a good fun. No worries. Thanks, Bryce. Talk soon. Cheers, Bryce. Easy. Cheers.